0: what's up everybody welcome back to matt goes to the movies and it is time for mondays with maximoff and if you've been listening to the show you know that that means that rob is here with me and harrison host of the basement binge is back as well so uh first and foremost rob welcome back
1: Yeah, great to be back really enjoying uh getting ready to talk about tonight
0: yeah And Harrison, welcome back as well, man. Uh, Again, listeners, uh, host of The Basement Binge, but you should know that if you've been listening to this show. But Harrison, welcome back as well. Thank you. Always glad to be here. Yeah, so, you know, again, uh, episode six for WandaVision is, again, for me, pushing the bar. I can't wait to get into it. And what we'll do is we're going to start off here with the two-minute spoiler-free section of the show. This is where we talk about our thoughts without giving away spoilers. So, Rob, why don't you kick it off, and what do you think of this week's episode? Lots to unpack.
1: Yeah, um, that's putting it lightly. So, um, you know, if you think about the first three episodes that we got of this series, um, it was very much a slow burn. And then we get the last ten minutes of episode three, and from that point on... We are barreling down the track, you know, 100 miles an hour, just every, every step of the way. The intrigue gets deeper. Um, the, the tension grows. Um, the mystery grows. And, and what really occurred to me over this weekend as I, as I had a chance to reflect back on it is it just, you know, the way that, that this show is making me feel. Um, and as a viewer and, and as a piece of entertainment, I'm not going to quite put it on that same level. Um, because that's almost sacrilege to compare something to The Watchmen. But if you ever read the original Alan Moore graphic novel series, and you think about how issue after issue just builds the mystery and the conspiracy grows deeper and deeper, um, it's, it's kind of like that same feeling for me in a, in a serialized television show. Um, each week, something crazy happens it gets more interesting. You want to know more. You've got to see what happens next. Everything you thought was going to happen doesn't happen. And you're okay with it because what does happen is way cooler than what you were hoping was going to happen. Um, That's kind of how I'm looking at this series now. And um, you know, we're hearing that the final three episodes are going to be hour long uh, episodes each. And, I can't tell you how excited I am for that because I think they've got a lot of stuff to cover and a lot of things that they're going to do with this that are just going to blow us away.
0: Yeah, it just... Hearing that the fact that not just the season finale, because I was expecting maybe that, but the last three episodes need to be... Uh, an hour long to really what I think is not even finalize this story. Cause it definitely seems like, and they've said that it will be continued in Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. But this episode clearly shows that there is a lot going on. And this episode for me is fantastic, but it also led me right back into having more questions. Um, that I didn't think I had after the end of episode five. Uh, Obviously you don't know exactly what's going on, but this episode really pulls me in a couple different directions, which wasn't aggravating or anything like that. It's exciting because, okay, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? Um, It really captivated me again. I think, you know, they push the envelope continually here with from episode four, five and six. Um, and a lot of breadcrumbs planted in this episode for, you know, things that we've talked about. And maybe some of them are right, some of them are wrong. But it definitely seems like you are in for uh, a treat, so to speak, with this. So, Harrison, uh, your thoughts before we get into the real, you know, meat of what this episode is.
2: Yeah, I uh, when I posted my review on Letterboxd of it, I just r- kind of quipped and said, this is, this episode has comic accurate costumes for Quicksilver, Wanda, and Vision. And that's not even the best part. Like, <laughs> it, the amount of goodness in this is just incredible. And there are some things, you know, theories and ideas that are confirmed and also kind of, you know, confirmed that they're wrong, so to speak, that I have. Um, but it, the majority of it is just, I'm so impressed with what they're doing with this. The series that I would not have expected to be to be this good, and I don't I don't know why I ever doubted them making it this good because it's phenomenal, and it, it's just I'm I can't wait. I, it's so rude they make us wait an entire week to see <laughs> what happens next because it, it's just great tension building, it's great mystery building, uh and it, it's it's a ton of fun. the The last time that I enjoyed a good mystery that left me this. Uh, intrigued was a while ago and, and that's great writing and directing to be able to maintain that over the week where I I've got to click on it as soon as it's available because I just have to know. And then that causes me to do the same thing next week, week after week. And it's just incredible how they're building it more and more and more. And um, it's also just exciting to see what it means for the MCU as an entirety. Um, you know, like uh, Matt said with bread comes happening, it, it kind of shows you know, if we thought Infinity War was big, the scope is expanding. Not so much that I think that they're going to bank on huge team-up movies like that, but that the the stories that are expanding are, are that are going to be told are going to be much more expansive than just simplicity, uh, like the first few phases of MCU, which is all just super exciting stuff. Uh, and it was just lots of fun. It was a, it was a great episode.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's one thing. You know, and we'll, we'll get into this for me as, as the spoiler portion. So, uh, I'll save that thought here. So, uh, listeners of the show, that is our spoiler free portion. That's our two minute warning here where right now, if you haven't watched episode six of WandaVision, or for some reason you're not caught up on any of the other episodes, pause it, go, I don't know what you're doing, um, watch these other episodes get caught up and then come back because we're going to get into uh, the spoiler section of this. And for me, uh, I want to get this out of the way because there is one thing about this episode that I clearly don't like and it's minor, but I I would like to get it out of the way from my point of view is once again, um, it's funny that this episode is clearly, clearly, in homage to Malcolm in the middle for listeners and anybody who knows that TV show. Uh, the style is literally ripped out of that TV series. And I thought that was fun, but the one thing that I don't like is because they're kind of front and center and it's their performances. We talked about it last week is, uh, you know, Harrison and Rob, I am not too big a fan of the kids right now. I I don't feel their performances are particularly captivating. Um, But the things that they were talking about still invested me because they turn right into Wanda and Vision when they open it with mom and dad aren't necessarily fighting, but they're not the same. And you can just see the tension between Wanda and Vision. And again, it's two characters that I didn't really care about from my perspective until this show started. And now I'm fully invested in them as a couple. And it was just like, oh, God, like. I hate seeing them getting further and further apart as Wanda is clearly just trying to hang on to this life and to really vision. Like everything she's doing doesn't seem to be so much for anything else, so to speak, other than vision. Like, yes, you can tell she loves the kids, but it's all about vision and, you know, vision wanting to do the right thing. And you see more of that towards, you know, the middle and the end of this episode, it was really, you know, it's emotional for me to watch that because I am invested now in these characters and that's due to the actors' performances. But once again, the kids here for me really don't do anything. So um, Rob, uh, I'll let you kind of piggyback off that first here. Uh, What are your thoughts on the kids and how they're being portrayed so far? You
1: know, when they first showed up as the five-year-olds, I thought they were super adorable, and you know, they're just—you just want to pinch their cheeks. You know, they're great. Um, when they move up to, I think they're ten-year-olds now. Um, I'm just going to get out of the way. I kind of feel weird criticizing ten-year-olds like that are child <laughs> actors. Like, I feel weird doing it. it. It does feel weird to me. But if you want to say that they are not up to the same level as the actors around them. I mean, we've certainly seen great child actors all through Hollywood. Um, these these guys are, are doing the best they can, but it's it's not great. And it's kind of noticeable, especially when you have, you know, we've talked about it over and over again that Elizabeth Olsen and, and Paul Bettany are just absolutely slaying all through the series. They are absolutely just crushing and doing such an amazing job you're you're in it the whole way um you're totally bought into everything they're doing and and they're just drawing you in more and more um i kind of want to disagree with one thing that you said though matt that you had you had said that you kind of feel that she's doing this for vision she loves the kids but she's doing this for him i kind of feel like she's being if, if we're going to assume that she's either in complete control and caused the hex, caused this anomaly, or at least initiated, if maybe somebody else is in control, maybe somebody else is helping, but it's somewhere along the way, she initiated something. We're going to assume at least a minimum of that. I feel Wanda's being very selfish. I actually don't think she's doing any of this for vision because she tries to roll the credits on him, you know, last week, whenever <laughs> he starts to ask questions and, and man, I kind of wish I could end arguments with my wife that way. Like if she was just like chewing on my backside about something, I could just roll credits and walk away and have that be at the end of it. Holy cow. That would be my mutant power that I would want to have, but I digress. Um, I don't actually think she's doing this for Vision. I think this is completely all about her dealing with her grief. She She's putting him in pain, certainly at the end when, when they're flying in the air and they're both kind of powered up a little bit. Um, she just tells him, everything's going to be all right. It's okay. It, he clearly is confused. He says, I don't remember my life before Westview. He even says the words, I'm scared. Um, she doesn't clue him into, okay, sweetie. Well, that's understandable. Here's what I did. Here's why this is for us. Just go with it. She just tries to move on from it. Um, I I think she's being selfish. And I think she is completely doing this just to compartmentalize her own grief. Um, You know, there's a line later in this episode with uh, Pietro where, you know, he clearly is aware that this is all fake he's he's just playing his role he talks about it but he says if i found my shangri-la i wouldn't want to leave either um really leading me to believe she is in complete control of this
0: um and i don't think she's doing this for vision yeah uh harrison before you jump in I, i that's a much better way to explain um than I did, because, yeah, I, I don't mean like she's doing it for Vision, um, like she's doing it to have Vision there. So, yeah, I didn't really explain that all that well, but that's a, an absolute spot on description of what's going on here. So, uh, Harrison, your thoughts on kind of where, you know, the kids are in this episode. And like Rob said, it's, it's weird to sit there and be like, hey, this is, the, you know, there, but you are supposed to be invested in them, so to speak.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I didn't notice him this m- time as much as I did the last time. Maybe just because I was so invested in Vision. Like, every single time that it wasn't focused on Vision, I was like, get back to Vision, what's going on? <laughs> uh, like, I personally have, especially I, both Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany has, have done a phenomenal job, and I'm invested in both of them. But for me particularly, Paul Bettany steals the show in every scene he's in, and I'm so invested in him. Uh, so my mind's always preoccupied with him. As far as the kids go, it kind of just like fit in line with like the early 2000s sitcom show, which I feel like they captured the, the feel and, and, and atmosphere of extremely well with the camera movement, with the, the, the look of it. it. So many things I, I, on a rewatch, I was noticing like, wow, this just looks very much 2000s sitcom. Um, so. Yeah. I think that I've also just kind of come to the point that like they're kid actors. And so it's just like, eh, whatever. Like, uh, so yeah, I, but I, I really do think it's mainly just cause I was so, uh, invested in vision. I, I just wanted, I wanted more of him.
0: Yeah. Uh, he definitely is in these last couple episodes with the emotion that you're seeing, um, from vision on screen is definitely a strong point. Um, Speaking of a strong point, I thought, you know, the big reveal last week was Evan Peters showing up as Pietro at the end of episode five. And he is, you know, also kind of front and center in this episode. You get him right away. And he I was impressed at how well he really the chemistry Between him and Wanda, the two actors, um, I like him a lot. I liked him in American Horror Story. I really liked him cast as Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men universe. But I thought he did a really good job. And he seemed, you know, part of this universe. Like, he's been with these characters since their introductions, which I thought was really well done. I really enjoyed him in this episode. You get a lot more about him and Rob you mentioned this he's clearly aware that this is because of Wanda and he says the line of you know I'm not your husband I I think he says like I'm not your fr- your father or anything you know I'm not dad um I'm your brother and he he seems completely okay with what Wanda is doing and you know he said like Rob you said he'd find a way to stay here too but then there's a couple things that happen with him that make it seem he's not exactly up to par or up to speed. um, No pun intended uh, on (laughs) everything. So uh, Harrison, what are, what were your thoughts on him and his, you know, role in this episode?
2: Uh, Yeah, I do want to agree with you that Evan Peters and um, Elizabeth Olsen together have phenomenal chemistry. They're great. Uh, but as far as he goes, I, one thing that I thought was really interesting is he just like, like he, he's clearly not the Quicksilver from age of Ultron, a, the age of Ultron Quicksilver had like a, he had kind of sw- a swagger and a charisma to him that, that you might say a cockiness, but there was also like a level of like seriousness and almost like brooding to him where this Quicksilver is quippy and he swears. and and, like gets the kids to swear which clearly affects wanda he's causing all sorts of havoc like he's not a very serious person uh i mean there was even one thing that they like totally lampshaded on where he was talking to wanda and he was like i i wrote down the exact line here super quick if my notes will pull up where he said uh you know, I'm, I come to town unexpectedly, create tension with the brother-in-law, stir up the Rugrats, and ultimately give you grief, which I thought was just like a great sum up of like the the brother showing up in a sitcom, which is funny, but right. also like the way that that affects Wanda. Like, clear, it it makes me feel like that's not what Quicksilver would show up for, like, and, and that's not why Wanda would bring Quicksilver back. Uh, so, yeah. it... it, it I don't, like, I don't even know how to ask the right question that it raises, but it, it's not, like, clear what's happening with him, but it, he, he's, something is afoot.
0: Uh,
2: yeah, uh, Rob, your thoughts on, on Quicksilver?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree that he feels like a different version of, uh, of Quicksilver than than the version that Evan Peters previously played in the MCU. Um and certainly doesn't feel like the one we saw with Aaron Taylor Johnson in, in, in the MCU. Although one of the things that I thought was interesting, I don't know if it means something. I don't know that it doesn't mean anything, which is pretty much what you could call the title of our WandaVision reviews. I don't know if this <laughs> means anything. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't, but uh, that's pretty much just to summarize what we do here for an hour, you know, on, on Monday nights, um, the way that he uses his super speed though, it's not the X-Men version. It's the MCU version. You know, it's much more like that. We don't get like that GoPro kind of right on his chest as he's like running around and grabbing goldfish and stuff like that, which I want. I want that. Um, I could get a whole movie of that and be very happy, um, but that's not what we get. So it, it really has me very confused. What, which version of Pietro are we actually getting? Um, Or is it something in between? um i i love when they do the flashbacks though when we see them doing the halloween you know going from house to house and it's and it's still in the middle of a war zone like you can hear like there's there's bombs going off and guns shooting in the background like i really thought that that was just kind of a way to take something that is very very serious and still kind of make it sitcom-esque i mean it's it's such a play with the emotions, you know, you're happy, you're sad, you're scared, you're intrigued, you're laughing. I mean, um, it's, it's really been a fun ride, um, to go on throughout this. Um, I want to, I, I can't wait like for three more weeks when we get to the end and we can finally say, oh, wow, that's what's been going on all along. If even at that, because it might stretch into Doctor Strange 2 before we truly know what's going on. But um, it'll be fun to go back and look at all the stuff that we missed all along. Like, oh, that was a little red herring here. That was supposed to lead into that. Okay, I got it. Now that makes more sense. Um, That's got me. I'm just looking forward to the next three weeks.
0: Yeah, it certainly brings up a lot of questions, and I did find it interesting that the effects for Quicksilver w- were the Age of Ultron effects, but his demeanor, um, you know, for anybody who has actually, besides Days of Future Past, watched Dark Phoenix, and X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, Rob, I know certainly you're not a fan of <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse. Um, that is one way to put it. Yes. <laughs> um, the the way that his character, the way that Evan's Peter, Evan Peters talks as Pietro um, is very much like the X-Men universe swagger of the character, but with the the body link la- you know the body language and the effects of the age of ultron setting and you know he even says which i thought was kind of funny because i know some people had a problem with this he said i got shot in the street like a chump um because there was this huge thing about how would he just how would he get killed by regular bullets like there's no reason why the, with how fast he is that ever should have hit him um So I thought that was kind of funny that they threw that little line in there that he just got shot. And he says, you know, the next thing I know, you called me and I'm here. Um, Which, again, kind of begs the question of, well, she didn't really call him because you never see that. So how did she get him to this world? And is there more to that? So I think that's interesting. And I think there's a lot there one of the the things though that i really enjoyed about this episode which again kind of leads me into all these theories is you really now get the idea that sword has sword is up to something um and certainly and hey, uh hayward the director um he definitely seems like he could be a villain that has a lot of other ties and maybe leads into some of the problems that we have in other movies because he definitely is up to something i don't think they just had vision because they were holding on to him it it seems clear to me that he is really an antagonist and could stir the pot for some of these theories that I have, which we'll get into later. But Rob, what are your thoughts on swords portrayal now and where they're, where I think they're leaning and where do you think they're heading towards?
1: Well, so they made a big deal out of Vision having a living will that he didn't want to become anybody's weapon and he didn't want to be revived or anything like that. And yet I, I said when we covered that week's episode that it really looked like Vision's body was connected to something when they show the, the kind of grainy um, security cam footage that you don't get a whole lot of. It's very obscured. Um, it, it just kind of seemed like there was it. Why was it in a lab setting? Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't lay his remains to rest in a lab setting. You would, I don't know. I mean, put him, put him in the ground, bury him, give him the same funeral you gave Tony Stark, um, of something like that. So it felt weird to me. Um, he, one of the, one of the problems I do have, I, I love this week, by the way, love the entertainment value was totally intrigued. I have a few issues here and there. Um, my issues kind of start with director Hayward and he just kind of makes this very unnecessarily douchey and antagonistic flip, you know, like he was working with her and all of a sudden he flips and, and he is unnecessarily cruel, you know, talking about it's a good thing you weren't here when your mother was dying. You know, like that was really an unnecessary low blow. Like it didn't serve the moment. It it just felt like it was there to make him feel like more of a bad guy. It just it seemed kind of like lazy writing to me. I, I don't know if, if you guys sort of felt the same way about it as as I do. But um, it it that that kind of bothered me. Um, there was other things in the "quote unquote" real world this week that I sort of was bothered by. Um, one of which is just how easily the, the guards got taken out when when he you know pulls Darcy and, and Monica and, and Jimmy Woo out, away, and you know they've got guns, they're trained sword agents, and uh, and these three actually two of them because Darcy did wasn't even doing anything, just took them all down like immediately like. I thought that was kind of lame. I'm going to be honest. I just thought that was lame. And then they get into the the shed, which they just somehow magically figure out where the, uh, where that shed is with the server room. And much like we saw in Iron Man two, Darcy just hits like seven keys and boom, I'm in like, it's the, it's the lamest. Um, just, uh, overused uh movie hacker thing ever so apparently darcy's not just an astrophysicist she's also a hacker it was it's just so bothered me in iron man 2 and Vanko. just it's literally like do 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 and i'm in it's it's a server it's a system that he didn't even know existed 20 minutes ago and magically he can just figure out the password by typing in a couple of buttons like those kinds of things when they do them in movies in tv shows just bother me maybe more so than other people but it's like ah that seems like it just seemed like lazy writing to me um but it does kind of feel you know matt getting back to your point it almost seems like sword could be set up to be not a super benevolent organization just about the preservation of life on earth. Um, You know, maybe they take sort of what the role of aim does in the comics and, and they're this major organization with a lot of power and a lot of technology that ends up being kind of the antagonist that starts a lot of things in the, uh, in the Marvel universe and comics.
0: Yeah. I I think there were some really good points there. Um, Harrison, what are your thoughts on, on sword?
2: Uh, I think it's interesting to analyze Hayward as, like, someone who lived through the five years of the snap. Like, I appreciate that, they, that that's, like, a history of his character. Because uh, that would seriously, like, I don't know, having half of the population suddenly just turn into dust and then five years later come back, like, that would seriously kind of mess with your priorities about these super-powered individuals. So, like, I can understand his apprehension, Um, but his, his attitude towards Monica and like his aggressiveness towards handling the problem, the hex, the way he thinks is very, uh, villain like, uh, in a, in a good way. I think, I think it makes for a good antagonist. That's like not somebody who's out to do evil, but has a twisted view of what it means to do good. Uh, and I, I think it's an interesting character especially in opposition to Monica. Like Monica's just so everything she says, I'm like, I agree. You're right. Like she's just got so much wisdom Uh, and credit to her. The actress who has ever played her. I don't know her name. Uh, she's great. And and I, I think, uh, similar to how like Wanda and vision are foils to each other. Monica and Hayward are good foils to each other. Uh, and so I think I like, I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree with that one scene that Rob brought up where, where Jimmy Woo, as much as I love Jimmy Wu and want an entire series just devoted to him just doing whatever he does because I think he's awesome. Uh, they, when they take out those those SWORD agents, I was like, well... Right, uh, right yeah. <laughs> but, you know, th- you, know, you like, do what you can. Really? Like, you <laughs>
1: just sit there, you go, really?
2: Yeah, so I, I definitely think it's interesting and I love uh, seeing hayward be wrong like clearly there's something that we don't see that's motivating him uh to be this stupid you know like a good leader wouldn't having all his goons point their guns at him then the very next day or however long it's been make the decision that he does uh, it, it, there's there's something more that we hasn't been revealed about him yet that i'm exciting excited to figure out
0: Yeah, I I did like with him, though, I do like the follow up of, you know, when he says you, you know, for everybody that came back, you don't understand what it took to keep the lights on for five years while you were gone. Like you think it's easy and it's not. And, you know, it was in last episode where he says, take the shot. And his mentality seems to be when these things happen, we just have to act. And if we're wrong, then I guess we just have to be wrong. I don't have the luxury of looking back and saying, I should have done it like this because we can't afford to have another, you know, another Thanos or whatever else might be coming. Because uh, again, right now, we just know that sword is monitoring this. We don't know exactly exactly. You know, Harrison, like you kind of just said, what else have they seen? Are they noticing other threats? And, you know, whatever else could come our way, we need to take care of it when it's there and we can't make a a second guess. We just have to go on an instinct and we have to make sure that we're protecting ourselves. Um, So, which leads me into a theory about Sword. And again, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I do like that they have his character have that point of view. But Rob, I do agree with you where he came off likable in the first episode. And it does seem like, you know, if there would have been hints at that in episode one and two, um, you know, it wouldn't have been as kind of jarring how, like you said, he just really in that one scene, he really does turn into like, I can see his decision-making, but the line to Rambo does seem really out of place. Like, there really there was no reason for that. It it seemed like a like a cheap heat moment to have people be like, Ooh, he's a bad guy. I don't like him. Um when the actions that he's doing just based on what's happening can totally do that for the viewer. So Rob, I I, I agree with that assessment of of Hayward based on you know, him just using that line and being really oddly cruel about her mother. So
1: You also hear him say something about, you know, I'm familiar with your history with Carol Danvers. Now, he could be just referring to the events of Captain Marvel, the first film, you know, where she's obviously, you know, her mom is is good friends with her and and she has some interaction with her. Um, I feel like between that and what we saw uh, Monica's reaction to be like, um When Jimmy Whoop mentions her and she just really does not want to talk about the subject, uh, this absolutely reinforces to me that Monica is involved in some way in the events of the second Captain Marvel movie. I've seen an interesting... an interesting theory online that suggests one of the reasons that uh, Captain Marvel's hairstyle is different in Endgame from Infinity War is that she shaved her head in solidarity with her friend um, and that, you know, as she was going through her cancer treatments and that was just kind of the length to which her hair had grown back um, by the point we see her in uh, in Endgame, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, But we'll see. We'll see how that works out. I'm going to assume we'll get those kind of details in, in Captain Marvel, too.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I saw that theory as well. And I think that, you know, that if they had that planned, um, good for them, I, I think maybe, you know, is it, did they get, because I know when I saw that end game and I talked to a lot of people, it was like, why does she have that hairstyle? Because it's not like in real life, Brie Larson actually cut her hair. Um, Her hair was still the same length as Captain when she shot Captain Marvel. So that was like all CGI, her hairstyle in Endgame, which was really, you know, to me a bizarre choice that why would you do that? But if it was, oh well, however long later we're doing WandaVision and it's going to be part of the storyline, like, oh, okay, like, geez, you guys think incredibly far ahead like <laughs> so many like so many even the littlest things are connected for god's sakes like <laughs> and you wonder why the mcu is a juggernaut because they think <laughs> three four years ahead of oh this haircut that cgi is because of a television show that we're producing um which is cool but one thing too i i want to get your guys opinion on before we move on from sword so to speak is the name in which Hayward uses for his plan with vision is really clever. Um, but Darcy finds out that when they're breaking into Rob, you know, the scene that you just described is you're absolutely in love with the hacker trick of you know unplugging a vending machine and plugging it back in to get free chips. Um, <laughs> 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 you know, they do they do find secret files uh, for sword. And one of them is a plan connected to vision called cataract, which is clever um, to how they're using vision to monitor inside the hex, which leads me to ask the question, did they purposely take vision and no Wanda was going to come up? Or again, what were they doing with vision? Because why if he's dead and they weren't going to do anything with him, they were respecting his living will. Why in any way, shape or form would there ever need to be a tracker on him where they could monitor through him? Um, And if not fully monitor, I mean, they have a head count based on visions proximity to these people in Westfield. Why would they have that? Uh, Harrison, I'll, I'll let you talk about that first.
2: I think that part of it has to do with just kind of what they, th- he talked about when Monica came back that the, um, I'm sorry. I just lost my mind. that they were stopped focusing on space travel and focus more on AI. Um, I think that they maybe just kind of took an advantage of that. They're like, Oh, we worked on vision. He's in there. Let's use this thing. Um, I don't think it was like a plan with the Hex at all, but it, it, it makes me feel like they were planning on using Vision for something. Some type of mission or, or, or search attempt or exploration of some kind. They were planning on using him to the point where they needed to track him down and have some type of surveillance because of him, um, which scares me with what Hayward is wanting to attempt anyway. And it almost makes me feel like his his priority here is with the hex is getting vision back more so than you know saving these people, so to speak.
0: Yeah, Uh, Rob, any thoughts on you know what they were doing with vision based on the fact that they have a tracker in him?
1: Well, you saw when. Vision's predecessor, Ultron, was created. It looked like Ultron was just gonna continue to replicate. And and I'll forgive everyone if they haven't re-watched Age of Ultron in a while. You know, that's uh that's totally forgivable if you haven't seen it in a minute. <laughs> um For for those of you who may have never bothered, um, you know, James Spader's Ultron was was basically replicated and it looked like he was going to pretty much take over the world and eliminate all life on the planet. And just kind of, it would be Ultron. Um, and they, they kind of created vision as as Ultron 2.0. Um, vision at, at full power is a very, very powerful character that if he ever went rogue, I don't exactly know what they would do to stop him. Like that's, that's kind of scary. If you think about it, vision ever truly decided just be like, Hmm you know what, Earth, I'm done with you. I'm just going to lay waste to literally everything. Um, so keeping tabs on him is certainly something that uh, is in their best interests. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this whole concept of a living will and respecting his wishes and so on. And I think um, – I think what's interesting, and it's an interesting thought experiment to me, but he's a th- he is a synthesoid, which is that's just a fun word to say if you can actually get it out of your mouth correctly. Um, he mm-hmm. is a synthesoid and does he have the same rights as a sentient human being? You know, does he have something like a last, you know, his last wishes, his living will? Is that that they refer to? Is that something that they necess- that they can just kind of sweep under the rug and say, well, he's not actually a person. He's he's not real. He doesn't have a heart. Um, you know, he's an AI basically infused with a personality and and given sentience um, and the ability to think for himself. Um, is that kind of how they get out of that and and try to? Um, you know, recreate him as, as a last line of defense um, should something else crazy happen. I mean, I said it last week, I don't fault Hayward for the, take the shot. You know, we've talked about it a lot, you know, the, the kinds of things that would happen or the decisions that would be made, you know, we talk about um, the needs of the few versus the needs of, of many. Um, If you're faced with a threat that could be an extinction level event and you get it wrong, you've taken out one person. If you if you take that person out, um, let's say you take that you don't take that person out and you were wrong about whether or not you should have done it, um, half of humanity or all of humanity, um, as we know it could have be wiped out. So a very aggressive um, sort of stance and policy towards any potential threats that we don't have the ability to fully understand is completely <laughs> understandable to me. Um, I don't necessarily say I agree with everything he's doing, but I understand in the confines of this world, having lived through the snap, um, why they choose to do what they do.
0: Yeah. I think one thing too is, uh, you know, everybody in the MCU can be grateful that nobody's mother is named Martha because they might have to rethink their decisions. Um, (laughs) But we won't have that problem. So um, it's always a good thing, but Moving on from Sword, because again, there's a lot of, like we said, a lot of really good stuff about this episode. And one thing that happens during the whole scene of Darcy and Monica. Uh, and Jimmy Woo getting kicked out and getting their way back in is one, we find out that there's more ties to Monica's comic book origins because her cells are completely changing. And Darcy's like, you can't go back in. Like you've gone in twice. You can't do it again. This is not going to be good for you. And Monica doesn't care. She really just wants to help, which is an endearing trait, but also, and again, here's a hundred theories, and a hundred of them could be wrong. She mentions he's gonna be here in an hour to get me back in the hex, my engineer friend. Um, Rob, who is it? What's right? Like right now, what is your? Who is your one guess? And we'll all be wrong. Who would be your guess? Who is this guy that's supposedly helping? I can't imagine it's somebody just like, oh, that's Don from. Before
2: I was snapped,
0: like
2: (laughs) that's Dawn from a county next door. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's uh,
1: it's not somebody she found in the yellow pages, that's for sure. Um, Yeah. So since we're all going to be wrong anyways, um, I'm wondering if it's Doctor Strange. Okay. I don't think that's right, but um, you know, just in terms of who would make sense, what we're expecting to come down the down the pipe in the MCU. Um, it would, uh, in, in New York's not far away from New Jersey, so, um, he could be there pretty quickly. So, um, let I me, mean, you can just open a portal, I guess too, but which makes it even more likely that it could be him.
0: Yeah. Uh, Harrison, uh, who, who's your guest? Do you have like one solid guest because he's been mentioned twice now as to who this person is?
2: Uh, I want to say it's it's uh, Reed Richards, just because uh, that seems more likely to me. Um, and and it, but I don't know. Maybe it's too soon for the Fantastic Four. I'm not sure. Um, if I the other person that I could think of is um um what's his name? Um, he's an Ant Man. Uh, Hank Pym. That's the other person that I thought. But oh, okay. I, I, I'm not sure how much he would have to do. You know, clearly he's you know, with with what happened in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm sure after the snap happened and everybody got back together and they were sharing stories, they realized that they had some experience with another realm. And I bet that their work would work with him to have some type of information about that. Uh those are my two guesses neither of them are really strong. Uh I think that we're all going to be surprised. Uh but I do think that it's going to be somebody important.
0: So my my guess is I am 100% saying it's going to be Hank McCoy. Um that is my guess and I am going to stick by that even after I'm proven wrong. Um, I'm just going to have <laughs> plausible deniability. Uh,
2: <laughs>
0: um, but I think that we will get introduced to Hank McCoy because I do believe this is somebody that she obviously has known and has a connection to S.W.O.R.D., and based on comic book ties, Hank McCoy does have connections to S.W.O.R.D., so that's my guess, is that we will get introduced to Hank McCoy as the engineer um, that helps break her into the hex. So, speaking of the hex, Harrison, we find out that its effect, so to speak, doesn't extend um, completely to the outside of, you know, to the edge of the bubble. There's some weird stuff going on with some of these residents of Westview when you get further and further away. Uh, Wanda warns the kids not to go past a certain point, uh, which is a reference that I'll bring up later. But those were some pretty disturbing scenes with Vision getting closer and closer to the outskirts of Westview and just seeing people frozen in place, not moving. Um, Thoughts?
2: Uh, Yeah, those, those are some of the best scenes. Especially that scene with uh, Agnes. I have so many questions and ideas about that. I, I know that Wanda's power is kind of limited in how far it extends, so to speak. is in that her power doesn't go past Ellis Avenue or whatever. And, and how she warns the kids against that. Then how as you get further out, people are just kind of there existing. They're not, you know, really moving. They, they're just there. I don't think that Wanda would let Agnes go that far. The other thing that was weird is it, well, first let me answer your your first question. I think it's just really interesting to show uh, maybe a little bit how limited Wanda is in what she's doing. Clearly she's inexperienced uh, in altering the, the reality of the world we currently live in. I don't know many people who have experience in that, uh, you know, All she really cares about is her immediate surroundings. And I'm sure if she were to travel to that part of the neighborhood, people would be lively and somewhere else in the neighborhood would go dead. Uh, So she just kind of that selfish focus, wanting to keep everything in control. But to get what I was saying, Agnes, I don't think that Wanda would let somebody of that, that, a character of that much importance wander out so far. Because if it wasn't for Vision interacting with her, she could have been stuck there for the rest of forever. Um, but then also vision like touching her temple like you did with Ned or whatever that dude's name was at, at vision's work, and how that guy like freaked out, and Agnes was very calm, makes me feel like confirms my ideas that Agnes is uh in on this. She's involved in some way, uh, and the things that she said to vision almost like... Felt like she was intentionally leading into his suspicion. Uh, I don't know. I like think about that moment, and I tr- I think I have concrete ideas, and then I start to talk about. It. I'm like, well, actually, I have no idea. I I have no <laughs> clue. <laughs> it's great, and I'm loving every second, but I have no clue.
0: Rob, what are your thoughts on that scene where Vision gets you know to the outskirts and? It, it, I agree with Harrison. And definitely to me, I got the vibes that he was being led on. Um, she knows what's going on. And that was to me, that was an act. Um, and I'll, I'll go further into that, but I'll let you go. So I wasn't
1: sure what to think the first time I saw it. The second time I saw it, I, I really, I don't think that she's involved at a control level. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where maybe she is involved in somehow, I, I think somehow she became partially aware and and was trying to escape. I mean, we've seen, we've seen her be kind of aware that something is that this is a sitcom before. Um, And and there was another moment earlier that was kind of interesting where it seems it's possible that some of these characters can be aware. Um, You think about the scene where Herb was talking to her and said, do you want something changed? when he was asking about, uh, when he was letting her know that vision was not scheduled for watch duty that night, he said to her, and it was very specific. Do you want something changed Wanda? Um, it leading me to believe maybe Herb's a little more involved. You know, you think back to when Agatha and Herb were having that conversation in, in the second episode. You know about uh, Geraldine. She doesn't have a home. She's not from here. Um, initially, I thought Herb, when he was cutting into that cinder block, was was doing something. But it just seems like that frozen town kind of thing. You know, if you're not needed for that scene, you're just in the background you're, you're not actually given the ability to move around. You're only moving when you're needed for the scene of the sitcom. Um, I also think, is this the first time we've seen vision unveil like his full costume on the show? I I want to say this is the first time it's happened. Um, I, I think somehow Agnes was partially aware and was using an opportunity while Wanda was distracted with the Halloween hijinks to try to escape and try to get out um, because she, she wasn't far from it um it felt to me like she was trying to get out um she could absolutely be involved um but i i still don't think she is
0: okay uh yeah that to me that is the first time that vision was back in full costume and it was a little thing but I don't know why it was so cool to see. I really liked was, just yeah. seeing him in full vision form again. I, I thought yeah, it was I thought awesome. Was um, but yeah, I can't help but shake the feeling that, especially with Agnes though. W- so he gets to the stop sign and she's completely just blank. Um, and she makes mention of, Oh, I got lost and he's, or I took a wrong turn. And he's like, you, got lost in the town that you grew up in and once she goes crazy and again you can see that he remembers nothing because he doesn't even know what an avenger is he he literally asks her he's like what's an avenger um so she's flipping out about you know is she dead and then she starts laughing but he touches her to bring her back into like the normal westview mindset so to speak How does she just flip script, so to speak, and turn around and just drive off? She was she's in the same spot and she was sitting there like everybody else not moving. And then once he gets to her and they go through their thing, it it just seemed like she wouldn't go back to just turning around and being like, oh, goodbye, neighbor, like have fun or whatever it is she says. I, I didn't understand that part, and maybe I just missed it on both watches, but it seemed odd to me that once they were done talking, she wouldn't be like confused as to where she was or act like the other people that were on the outskirts of that town. Uh, Harrison, do you want to go a little bit more into what you were thinking about her?
2: Uh, yeah, I just think that my, my idea is that she's uh, uh, Agatha Harkonnen, and the idea is that she's trying to bring back, uh, like we've talked about so many times before, her dead husband, Mephisto. Um, and if it's following any of the, the stories of the comics, uh, her, Wanda's children are important to that. Uh, Wanda's distress, also important to that. And I think that she was out there to create, this, to stir up problems with vision, to add to Wanda's distress, I think that she's responsible for Evan Peters' quicksilver sil- showing up, like he said, to give Wanda grief because that is for my perceived idea of what Agnes's benefit would be. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there's a ton that I, I really just think that it's showing how she is involved because all of the other so far, any other time that Vision like kind of let somebody out of the the Westview mindset they like immediately flipped out like I go, wait, where's my phone I gotta call my sister or whatever it was he said like like there's an intense emotional reaction so to see somebody be totally calm it's like well why aren't you freaking out like everyone else like why are you how in the world are you so calm and then if you were put back in your Westview mindset which is is controlling why don't you just like sit there Why why did you turn around like you just said? So I think that it shows that she has a level of of involvement and intelligence that the others didn't have. Yeah. um, Rob, I, I want to ask you too about,
0: you know, getting to the fact where in the same time as visions getting towards the edge of the barrier, we get a little bit more from Quicksilver and Wanda And this is where it starts to kind of turn for me about what's going on with him, because he's obviously very aware of what's going on. He's aware that she created this, Um, you know, and he's just like, well, how did you even create this in the first place? Because you never displayed power like this. Um, But he also at the end, when she realizes that vision's in trouble, I know he's been like, smart alec throughout the episode, but he also kind of like you said with Hayward, he very, very cruelly says to Wanda, um, hey, it's not like your dead husband can die twice. Um it, that just seemed really odd that he would say that to her, knowing that she created this because of him. Which leads me to believe, you know, she may have wanted him there, but she's not the reason he's there, which also leads me to wonder, okay, so who actually is he? Because I I have so many different theories about that. Um, Any thoughts? Um, So it does, you're right. It
1: it is kind of out of character in that moment. And he, he does kind of come off very, very cruel in that moment. Um, and we had kind of talked about earlier on this show about, you know, he's not entirely the the same character from, from either, although leaning more towards the X-Men version. Um, I, Uh, On my first watch through and and on the second watch through, I interpreted both of those things as just nothing more than that's the character he's playing on the Malcolm in the Middle style sitcom. It is really how I took it. Um, I could be absolutely wrong on that, like most things that that I talk about for for the show. (laughs) But um, that's really where where I took that. Um, I do think, kind of getting back to the idea that you know, Mephisto's out there and, and maybe is involved in this somehow, or or there's something that, that creates that. Um, He says a line to the kids, unleash hell demon spawn and kind of just tells them to go um, as they're as they're going to get candy. Um, That seemed kind of deliberate. There's so many different things he could have said in that moment. Um, It, You know, maybe where there's smoke, there's fire, and we've had plenty of opportunity for this to be something. I'm just still not convinced, even with all the little, um, you know, nods and winks and and you know, maybe potential setups. It's really hard for me to believe that the MCU and Disney—let's not forget Disney involved here—that they're really going to want to get into demons and the supernatural and and go into that level of. Of, you know, the comics. I, I just, I'm not sure that's the direction they want to go. They've really not set anything up yet to really get into that. Um, they've kept their, their villains, you know, basically just a carbon copy of the hero <laughs> largely um, or they've been aliens or they've been, you know, something a, a little more traditional sci-fi um, to get into religious iconography Um, to get into the supernatural just isn't really where they've gone yet. And it would feel a little abrupt, I think, or uh, just a little jarring to me if all of a sudden, boom. Okay. Here's demons, everybody.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's obviously, it's certainly something that would be, even with everything that we've seen so far in the MCU, um, having the actual devil, as a villain and on, you know, the embodiment of the MCU's version of the devil be on screen and actually be a character um, is, is quite out there. Um, Even though we've gotten some pretty out there things with that, it's definitely weird to think about, but there are just so many hints at the fact that that could be happening. Um, But with that being said, I was torn up when vision goes outside the hex. Um, Rob, what are your thoughts? Like like other than me, just saying when he's literally being ripped apart, when he steps outside, I I was like, come on. And we watched this guy. Let's we watched him die twice once from Wanda. And then once from Thanos, just ripping open his head. Like it was a bag of Doritos. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, like, I just couldn't stand that scene. Like I was like, no, not again. Like I, I like, I don't know. I didn't know how they were going to save him in that moment. Um, and what was happening, but like, I did not like like the fact that we were just watching him be ripped apart because he stepped outside of the hex.
1: I was definitely feeling some of that, but I think I was much more distracted by thinking about the mindstone Um, As soon as we saw saw him, so when we saw him kind of power up to full-on vision mode and you saw that the Mind Stone was there, that made sense because even if it's a manifestation of Wanda, um, it would make sense that he would be as he was. And as he gets closer and closer to walking outside the anomaly, um, that was one of the things I was definitely looking for. Would the Mind Stone be there? Would it be intact? Would his face be caved in? Um, What would he look like? would the mind stone be functional? Um, and then I started thinking, okay, so cap went back in time and dropped all that stuff back off. What did he do with the mind stone? Like that was, you know, that's, these are the things that were running through my head the whole time that I would like kind mm-hmm. of some answers on because we know he had to take some of that stuff back. And, and I don't know that we ever really get an answer on how he returned the soul stone. Um, I don't know if he just kind of like flipped it like a quarter to a red skull and be like, Hey man, have this back. I'm done with it. Um, you know, I don't know if... like That would be weird. That would be cool to think about, though, him running into Red Skull again, though. I, I kind of like that idea. I want to think about that for a second. Um, but it, we don't really get in-depth of what he does with the Mind Stone. Um, so, is this the real one? Is this a copy? Is this just... The same way that when Geraldine was kicked out of the hex and became Monica again, she was still wearing her 70s era clothing and whatever was inside could just come outside and and exist in the same way. Is that why the Mind Stone looks like that? Um, You know, I was really focusing on more of those questions and trying to, you know, do those mental gymnastics in my head to figure out. um, But, yeah, it was it was very jarring. No vision was very committed to trying to get help, he he recognized that that his wife was causing these issues and and these people to be trapped, and, and something was not right, and there was a way to get out, and and he was going to try to get help for those people. Um, it, w- it was very compelling.
0: Yeah, Harrison, uh, you know, thoughts on on that scene and vision still in that moment, like he's still as he's being ripped apart, he does say like you need to help like the people inside Westview. Um he's very much committed to trying to it looks like set this right and not be a part of what Wanda has
2: done. Yeah, there there's multiple things that I thought one, first Rob, you're splitting open my skull here by pointing out the mindstone. I don't know why I did not pay attention to that either time I watched. I gotta rewatch now. Also I've never even thought about what the heck Captain America did with the Mind Stone. So, thanks for that. You know, <laughs> keeping me up tonight. But everything else that we were talking about. Uh, when Vision was there, there was multiple thoughts that went through my head. First, this is really proving that Vision is who he is. The The Vision that was worthy of picking up Mjolnir as an instant characterization of his worthiness is still here. He is. He is... He is tooth and nail digging towards what is right. And, and I love vision for that. Second thing I thought is, man, vision must be afraid of Wanda to not to, to go to this extreme length that he is when he could just confront her. Uh, which I mean, that could be the worst idea ever. Maybe it makes everything worse. But cle- like visions, his brain is a computer. His things, he thinks about things clearly there's a reason that he's willing to wander out to the edge and put his life on the line versus confronting Wanda. Um, the, the other thought I had was, man, Wanda has a lot of power that she can prevent vision from leaving that she can suck him back in in pieces. Like how selfish. Uh, mm-hmm. Then lastly, the thing I thought is Hayward is a horrible individual to not feel anything for vision. Uh, but just kind of to take it in stride and then run for his life. Like he doesn't seem so much like the classic good guy uh, who runs to a media aid, Um, which I think, you know, Monica and clearly Darcy would do. Uh, It it just kind of reveals some, some colors of some characters uh, that I think is going to mean a lot more. Do I have an idea what it's going to mean later? No. Do I think it's going to mean something? Yes. But I, you know, I'm not. I'm out of ideas at this point. They, they've gone so big and exceeded any idea that I could have had. That at this point, I've just kind of like taken off my theorize, hypothesize with Harrison Cap, and I'm just sitting back and and, and enjoying it unfold because I think it's it's wonderful. But yeah, seeing Vision. Uh, to answer your question though, the or comment on what you said earlier, when Vision was experiencing that, it, it was a really emotional moment for me. Like man, this poor guy, he doesn't even know what he's been through. And here he is going through it again uh, because of someone who claims to love him uh, and, and all the emotional complexity in that is just, Holy smokes. Who knew that I was going to be so emotionally invested in vision.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely, again, we've talked about how he Paul Bettany, has just owned this role and really you know makes you care about this character you know but the ending here is for me i was just blown away with you know he dad's in trouble he's dying and she says i need you like wanda's like i need you to focus and her eyes light up and boom like here goes the hex it just starts expanding um and in this moment of like I was like nervous, like, Oh my God, like, you know, nervous, excited, what, you know, all these other emotions, it, it was to me like there was that quick moment where I said, okay, I, I want to see the circus next week because as her act <laughs> is expanding um, all of these sort you know, the, you turn into a car dealership, but, There are circus tents and popcorn and all these things happening as the hex expands. But, you know, once again, this show just is like, okay, well, she displayed powers that she hasn't displayed before to even create Westview. And now she expands it by who knows how many miles or whatever it is she expands it. Sucks all of these people, you know, into it. Uh, let alone we don't know, we did not see what happens to Darcy. Um, We see the sword agents turning into like carnival workers and clowns and everything else. Um, But I think it was pointed not to show what happens to Darcy when she gets sucked into the hex. Um, That was pretty wild to me watching her just expand this hex. And it to me shows, yeah, no, you know, this is why this show is going to lead into Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness, because how far does she have to go to keep this reality afloat? So to speak, when someone threatens it, because is vision just going to try and go outside again, is somehow somebody going to find a way to come inside the hex and not be controlled by her. So she just keeps expanding, expanding and, and, she is a threat to just take over everybody. Um, Rob, you know, the the episode and the impact of her powers there. What were your thoughts on that?
1: Um, it, it certainly seemed like every time she's threatened, something happens. And you're right. You know, so this one was the biggest threat we've seen yet. So she expands the hex to include, you know, more more people, the people who were trying to attack her. Um You know, I thought what was interesting is I kind of expected this week to be more of a 90s style and we kind of skipped the 90s altogether and went into the 2000s with Malcolm in the middle, which means if they're going to skip another decade and go into the 2010s um, and we don't see what happens to Darcy. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you, I would love to see a two broke girls meta reference with Kat Dennings in (laughs) some kind of yellow waitress outfit i i just think it would be fantastic i would love it if they would do it um they probably
0: won't but man wouldn't that be cool if they can pull that off yeah i'd I'd actually like that and i i definitely don't think we saw like a diner um come up when she expanded the hex but i could see them doing that as a fun little reference um that would definitely be funny um But, yeah, Harrison, you know, what were your thoughts when this was going on with just the heck expanding and, you know, them sword agents running, Hayward in the car just step on it like we have to get out of here? Um, You know, what were your thoughts when that was going on?
2: Uh, So, first, I thought it was crazy, uh, if I can go back a little bit, when, when Quicksilver goes to Wanda and he's like, relax this. It's not like your dead husband can die twice, which, I mean, he already did die twice in Infinity War. Right. So... Uh, talk about a loaded sentence, Uh, but her reaction to, like, be willing to just disrupt any form of normalcy in her controlled universe to keep Vision to the length of expanding the hex. Like, clearly she's already having a hard time maintaining the hex in the size that it is. Vision traveled out to the edge of it, and... We saw how uh, unmaintained it is. She warns her children about not going past Ellis Avenue. Like, there's a reason that she doesn't want them going out there. And then to go to the work to expand that, and everybody that now is part of your reality, that you and know, all have to control, clearly uh, she uh, doesn't want to let go of Vision. Uh, and it kind of hurt my feelings to see that. Like, uh, goodness, just, just let Vision, just let him be. He's trying so hard to do the right thing, and he just, you're, you're causing him so much grief, and it breaks my heart. But I also, am so, as soon as Darcy got consumed by it, I was like, okay, what the heck is she going to be? Like, I just immediately started with the wheels turning, like, okay, what is she going to show up as next episode? And will we even know it? Uh, I mean, I imagine so, unless they, like, put her in a giant costume or something. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was all very, very interesting. And as I'm thinking about this, now, it'd be interesting to see if they go to the circus because vision is just laying there on the ground. Like he's not just going to like suddenly put himself back together and get back up. He's laying there on the ground. Wanda's is probably going to go get him. It'd be funny to maybe if it was like a trip to the circus or a trip to the fair or something and that. And that's why they go out there. And if that will be incorporated into the sitcom, uh, all interesting, interesting ideas um, to see also, uh, I was going to ask you guys, and I forgot until this point. Where the heck did all the children come from? Last episode, Vision brings up there's no children, yeah. and suddenly it's Halloween, and there's hundreds of them. Like, Wait, yeah. did she bring them in? Did she create them out of nowhere? Like, what? I
0: uh, I was going to, to bring that up, um, you know, with you guys as well as, yeah, is this, you know, was that another display of her powers? Because all of a sudden there's a lot more people than what originally, you know, obviously we know that there was thousands of people in Westview, but now it seemed like there were even more before she even expanded the hex. So yeah, where, where did they all come from? Because it it seems like the people in Westview, you know, based on some of the reactions were people that were maybe affected by the snap and were, were dusted and came back. That's why they're in the hex. At least that's one theory um, that they're able to be controlled. But yeah, I I think that's just another, well, it could go a hundred different ways and maybe they don't explain that at all. But I did think it was weird that out of nowhere, yeah, there's children everywhere, but Rob, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Quicksilver does make a reference to that about, where'd all the kids come from or, or something to that effect. I thought he does, he, he actually has a
1: line that's really interesting and, and it just really helps you understand that he is aware that this is fake. This is, this is not reality. Um, he says something along the lines of, you know, makes reference to the fact that, you know, Oh, do, where do you keep these kids before you needed them? You know, were they all just asleep in their bed? I like that you kept, you know, people um, you know, couples together, you know, people are basically a, just a, another version of themselves, their personalities are mostly intact. So there's no real ethical uh, implications there. He, he actually uses the word ethical, uh, I got some of the, the actual language wrong, but that was the general idea. Um, so he definitely um, recognized that, you know, and you're right, In in the 80s, episode the very special episode um vision makes the point i walk past that playground every day and there are no children Um, why are there no children wanda um you know she didn't need them at that point um so they were all just i guess (laughs) zombified in their beds um on the edge of town you know or wherever they were uh until they were necessary for the scene um what's interesting though is we've seen Wanda and vision are the two characters that it seems to be that things happen around, but the kids seem as though they are in control to some extent. It's, it's hard for me to think that the kids aren't are, are just like a manifestation out of reality that they don't, that they don't have an actual real physical being there as well. Um, whether it was created by Wanda created by, You know, Agatha and Mephisto, or whatever. um, I feel that these kids will be, continue to be characters when the, when these, when this fake reality collapses around itself.
0: Yeah. um, I think that's all really good. And, you know, my, my one question is because obviously we've got three episodes left, they're an hour long, we've gotten a lot. Uh, I want to ask a theory question of both of you. And then for you guys to expand off of that with what you think. Um, one thing that I think that we're going to see is one, I already said, I think it's going to be Hank McCoy as the engineer, but two, I think in some way, shape or form uh, Hayward gave me a very, very William Stryker vibe from X-Men mm. in this episode. And I'm wondering if Sword, in some way, shape, or form, depending on how they want to tie mutants in, if Sword, because sentient weapons, is somehow creating or looking to create a form of what we know from the X Men series as Sentinels. Um, they're not hunting mutants, but we need things that can deal with these superpowered beings. So. We're gonna experiment on vision, you know. Create, you know, these weapons. Um, I think, in some way, shape, or form, sword might be, depending on how they want to go with it, it responsible for the creation of like sentinel-like beings. Um, I'll Harrison. I'll let you go. What do you have any kind of theories on how this sort of ties to Doctor Strange or anything off of that sentinel idea?
2: Uh, well, my information, my knowledge with the X-Men actually is significantly limited. Uh, I, I never read the X-Men comics or watched, uh, anything except for the original trilogy when I was preparing to do an episode with you, which I then can be a part of, which is, was a bummer. But anyway, uh, I don't know too much about them. So my theory would be, uh, exactly what you just said, because that's what you said. And I have no other ideas. <laughs>
0: Well, now you have to watch the '90s cartoon on Disney on Disney Plus.
1: I do. Oh, yeah. Do that. Do that. But don't. But don't watch First Class. Uh, don't watch Apocalypse. Don't watch Dark Phoenix.
0: <laughs> I'll say, don't watch Dark Phoenix, but watch X Men Apocalypse. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. well, considering that you and I like The Last Jedi, I'm okay with that. I'll, yes. I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you probably will like Apocalypse then.
0: <laughs> and that's oh. Rob, that noise is that you hitting your head against the wall again? Because we like that movie. I swear, every time I can just—I feel like your <laughs> eye twitches every time we say we like the last. Jedi. Like, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, had to, if there's I a had say uh, say if there's it. a Matt, if
1: there's a Matt goes to the movies drinking game um, based on how many times we reference the fact that I hate Last Jedi and you like it. It's time for everyone to take a shot. Right. <laughs> it's um, been a yeah, while. Getting so... back to you yeah. Getting yeah. back to your idea about striker. Um, wow. Yeah. That um, when you said that, I was just like, that's who he reminded me of. He was giving me a vibe. I couldn't place it. You said striker and immediately went, that's who it is. Um we've been told or we've been given reason to believe that as mutants come into the MCU, it will be one at a time. Potentially. We, we don't believe currently that we're going to get them just in their own X-Men team up movie. Um, there's been all those rumors that storm was supposed to appear in the second black Panther movie. Um, you know, depending on what you think about Quicksilver, maybe we already have a mutant in the MCU. Um, so to get them one at a time, it, it could certainly be, through sword Um, the idea of a sentinel program is very interesting to me but i'll tell you what intrigues me even more to to kind of jump down that rabbit hole for a second Um, thinking about all the things that have happened in the world with the the events of the snap and all of the other things that they're probably aware of that are out there, whether or not they know about the Kree and the Skrulls fully, if they've been told fully that they're out there, they, they definitely have reason to believe there are other threats that we still don't know about. Um, is it crazy to think that S.W.O.R.D. would start the Weapon X program? I don't think it's crazy.
0: No, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. And certainly some of the things that I've seen from Falcon and the Winter Soldier there's some ties that could really make you think um, depending on how they introduce this care. I mean, again, all of this depends on how they want to introduce these characters, but there's some references to dealings with Logan in Falcon and the winter soldier, just based on organizations that are mentioned inside that show. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if sword is, You know, kind of like the glue that could help bring these characters in one at a time. Um, So, yeah, I I think that could be a a very valid theory there based on some of the things we're seeing. And we really don't have to, if you guys think about it, we went so long. We talked about it, about not having any Disney content. And, you know, it seems like the one thing that will still maybe who knows, ever come out is, you know, Black Widow. Uh, Apparently they're being very stubborn about doing a Disney Plus release for that. They're still dead set on having a theater release. So, you know, 2026, whatever, (laughs) you know, who knows (laughs) um, whenever that's going to happen. But we waited so long for content from the MCU that, you know, now we have WandaVision. We're going to get that you know, buttoned up here, so to speak, in the next three weeks. And then we don't have long, I believe it's, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, what, two weeks, uh, maybe three, until we get Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And, you know, we're, we're going to be in a period now where it's, we might not get all the answers, but we definitely are the lack of content is surely at an end here, so to speak.
1: So just looking at the calendar, um, if we have three weeks left that puts March 5th as the, um, probably i'm going to say series finale it's hard to think they're going to do a second season of this um and falcon and the winter soldier is confirmed to premiere on friday the 19th um so that only gives us you know kind of one weekend off um in between mcu uh tv releases on disney plus then of course just in case matt hasn't lost his mind yet, Um, on Thursday the 18th is when the Snyder Cut hits on HBO Max, so on the 18th and 19th, for anybody who's looking to try to get in touch with Matt, he will not be available to anybody.
0: (laughs) No, I I won't, Um, so yeah, anybody who needs me and that includes my two kids, I love you guys but I don't want anything to do with you Um, (laughs) um, yeah, those, those two days for me are just like, I'm so eagerly anticipating the 18th and the 19th of March it's just insane to think about for for me personally because Rob you obviously know how much I've <laughs> been lobbying for the Snyder Cut and how excited I am to actually finally get it so um it, it's going to be interesting though with this with this MCU content because uh, again we're basically getting you know, these shows are a full length movie but one thing that i will say that wandavision has done it seems small scale so to speak but it definitely has done something for me that some of these other movies like the dark world and iron man 2 or even iron man 3 the scope does feel much bigger which is to me like amazing that they've been able to do this with a TV show and chalk that up to the fact that they have more time to let it grow, but it's just so impressive what they've been able to do with the TV show compared to some of the movies that they come out with, with the, the scope of what we're looking at in terms of how this connects the MCU. Yeah. Uh, Harrison, uh, a follow-up question for you is what sort of Easter eggs, I think this is the part where we can talk about, because there's a lot of them in here. um, What sort of Easter eggs did you pick out of this that you think lead to something or were just cool for you to see?
2: Um, Yeah, there were quite a few. Um, Obviously the comic, the comic-egger costumes I'm just reading through my notes here because I had a few written down. Um, when they go to the movie theater, the fact that the Incredibles and the parent trap are the two movies playing at the theater and the way that those are very, very connected to WandaVision and what's going on. Um, the idea that, uh, Monica's cells are having to be rebuilt, um, and how that might lie into her powers. Um, Let's see. Um, this is so much not. Um... Oh, oh! The witch cackle that Agnes had when she's in the car—like that was a very like witchy cackle—the uh, way she laughs. Um, uh, and then the last one would just be: this isn't so much an Easter egg, but just like a cool detail—is that of all people to understand. Uh, Wanda is Monica, someone who has also dealt with severe grief in a very confusing, not normal way. Her mom died while she was blipped. Like that's a serious amount of grief. Um, and she was the first to recognize that grief. I think she described it as saying like, um, you know the a sinking feeling of grief or, or something like that. I don't remember exactly what she said in one of the previous episodes, but in this episode, just some of the things she said really are alluding to that she understands what Wanda's going through um, and recognizes that this isn't just isn't just some super villain going crazy with her powers, but somebody dealing who has superpowers dealing with emotions that all of us have. And while we deal with them in weird ways, when you have superpowers, those weird ways uh, are just extended to uh, scary levels. Uh, So yeah, those are all the Easter eggs that I, I have.
0: Yeah. Uh, Rob, what do you, uh, what do you got?
1: Um, I only have two to add. Um, I thought the, uh, I I will say that the Incredibles one was kind of cool. If, um, if you're looking for ways that the fantastic four will come in, you know, the, the Incredibles has long been thought of as the best fantastic four movie that's ever been made. And it's not even a movie actually about the fantastic four. Um, One little one, so they keep talking about Ellis Avenue, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, That is uh, the name of the president that we've had throughout the MCU, um, President Matthew Ellis. He's only been mentioned a few times throughout, but um, I thought that was kind of a little wink there. Uh, Something we have not actually touched on at all was the Yo! Magic uh, uh, commercial. Oh, yeah. Um, Somehow we managed to go this whole time and not even mention that, which was... It, it wasn't as much of, of an on-the-nose Easter egg, you know, like the Strucker watch and the Stark toaster and things like that. Um, but this one was maybe the creepiest one they've done yet. I mean, the the toaster kind of ticking like a bomb and and certainly the the Lagos, you know, to clean up messes you didn't intend to make, you know, that one hits a certain way, but... To watch a little kid on a deserted island, like even if he's in claymation, just like starve because he can't open the the yogurt cup, that was really creepy, really offsetting and really weird. And I wasn't entirely positive what they they were trying to get at with the the meaning of it. You know, the certainly we've not heard Wanda's abilities being referred to as magic yet even though that's how it's accepted in the comics that that's the you know she's a mutant who can access magic through her mutant ability um you know but just the idea that it's for survivors um you know that she's using just use yo magic to help survive um that was kind of a it was creepy it was offsetting it was weird
0: yeah i so it definitely was a different commercial I did get again like a vibe to me it was very reminiscent of a line from Red Skull where again I, I don't have the exact way that he says it but he talks about the fact that he's cursed to guard something that he can never have Um, which I you know this kid getting this cup but then he can't open it like he's he has it but he's cursed because he'll never be able to actually get it um but i've also seen a theory that and certainly this uh the bath uh bomb commercial certainly talked about how it looked like a tesseract um there's a theory that all of the commercials tied to the infant the commercials that we've seen tied to the infinity stones hmm So that's, um, if you guys haven't seen that, which it sounds like you haven't, um, it's actually pretty, an interesting read. Um, you know, the paper towel commercial is meant to believe, uh, if the theory is correct, that that represents the ether because the spill is red and the ether was at one point in liquid form, uh, which was red, um, so there is a pretty interesting theory that these commercials have reference to the Infinity Stones, which this commercial tying to Red Skull would certainly make sense in the fact that he's guarding the Infinity Stone. Um, but it certainly was creepy just watching that kid wither away. Um, it, it was definitely different than any other commercial that they have done. And not just because of the animation style, just the, the general context of it. Yeah, it legit scared my kids a little bit when we were watching it.
1: I was almost like, um, is this the time where I fast-forward? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, it was It was certainly interesting. Um, you know, Rob, you mentioned, uh, yeah, obviously, the the movies playing and the Incredibles and things like that. Um, they did mention, too... Um, Harrison, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Uh, Rob, I, I'm pretty sure you have, because we've talked about it. But they do yell the word kick-ass twice which both aaron taylor johnson and evan peters were in kick-ass um that was a movie that they started in together um aaron taylor johnson played kick-ass and evan peters played his best friend so i thought that was a cool little clever nod to the fact that they were both in that movie um so that was one easter egg that i picked up and You know, Harrison, you mentioned too that, you know, Agnes, she is in a witch costume. Like, her costume for Halloween is a witch. Um, Oh, yeah. So, maybe that's a little on the, you know, she's got gray hair, she's got the hat on. Um, So, she is dressed as a witch in this episode, which clearly you've had your theories on her. Um, And... It's not an Easter egg, but based on the fact that the rest of this is one thing that I just looked at, and I'm looking at the picture right now, it, Wanda's headgear for her costume. Um, well, it's very comic accurate, the fact that the rest of her costume is obviously cloth um, fabric. But Rob, because um, Harrison, you obviously said you're you're very limited with the X-Men. Her, the way that her headgear is shaped and the fact that it's like an actual solid material, I really got like the magneto pointed helmet vibe from her headgear. Did you like notice that? Or if you, you know, you just didn't really see it. I didn't see that, but I just really loved the fact that
1: they gave us, you know, what I would call homemade comic accurate um, right costumes um both for wand and vision of course but also for wiccan you know that is very much his look in the comics i i just really thought that was super cool and then and then to get quicksilver and just like the you know this homemade uh version of his costume um i just thought it was just such a cool way to do that we so rarely get it and it was um I mean, I I think probably other than Spider-Man and Deadpool, we really don't get, like, super awesome, totally accurate to the comics representations of these suits on on screen. Um, So it's just just kind of fun when they do this sort of thing.
0: Yeah, they were definitely... um, It's so cool, and Rob, we talked about this, that, you know, one of the things that was so cool about the MCU is they... I don't want to say took the risk, but I guess at the time it really was because up until these movies, it was, okay, well, the costumes have to be, like, black and they can't have, you know, too much color scheme in them. Like, oh, that doesn't – comic book accurate costumes don't translate to the big screen very well. Um, And then once the MCU came out and did it, then it was like, okay, the X-Men movies took a little bit more of, well, we can certainly – you know we can add color to these costumes they don't have to just be black leather um so yeah it was put really some cool. yellow in there <laughs> right yeah it was really cool to actually see the comic book accuracy of these characters and with every single show that we're getting it just like it encourages me even more the fact that like okay we're getting moon knight we're getting she hulk um You know, clearly they've talked about, um, you know, Blade is coming out, Um, Ghost Rider, you know, apparently coming back. I'd love to see what they're going to do with uh, their Ghost Rider interpretation. Um, So I love the fact that they just say, yeah, like, we're comic book movies and we're going full, you know, full blown on the comic book costumes. I think that's awesome. Um, Harrison, I'm going to turn it to you here to let me know and what do you think of this episode where do you where do you rate this one out of you know these six you know not only as an individual ranking but certainly we've said since three we've thought these episodes have increased in their um their ratings where does this one go for you
2: um without a doubt i i can confidently give this one five reels um as an independent thing but also for the entirety of the season so far this is my favorite one uh emotionally uh, uh, of course because i've had six episodes to to um uh, have uh, uh interest in these characters um and to have investment in them so there's definitely like the emotional investment but also just the, you know all the things from the comic accurate costumes to Everything we've talked about this entire episode just like any everything and more I wanted from this series is here, uh, and it's all cranked up to eleven and it's just great.
0: yeah, Rob, what do you got on this one? Where does this rate for you man
1: i'd I'd love to give it a five. um I really would, but there's uh, you know, it's just those couple things that I would call almost like lazy writing, you know, like the the flip of of the director worries he's just you know super antagonistic out of nowhere and and the um the hacking out of nowhere scene um just kind of magically can get into computers with a few clicks of a button and and get behind the most secure possible network you can fathom um those kind of things just to me it feels like lazy writing um those things notwithstanding um i would give this four and three quarters reels um (laughs) i liked it that much it's so close to perfect for me um just a few things that I would just, it feels like there's easier ways to have uh, written that without necessarily relying on some of those tropes that are just, um, unnecessary. Um, and, and that being said, um, you know, I kind of opened this by saying it, it really, the mystery continues to build for me very much in the same way as the very first time I read the Watchmen series. Um, I am so excited. We're getting a a three, one hour remaining episodes, And Friday cannot get here soon enough.
0: Yeah, uh, Rob, I'm going to agree um, actually 100% with your score for this episode. Again, it's very, very good. There's just a couple things that deny it from being perfect for me. But in no way, shape, or form is this, you know, it's so minor. Uh, The things that bother me about this episode, there's just so much good that overcomes that. So I'm super excited for the next three episodes. The fact that they're hour, you know, an hour long means we're going to have a lot to talk about these next couple episodes coming up. So with that being said, I do want to give Harrison another second here to uh plug his show because I know you got a couple things coming out if you want to update listeners because I've seen an increase in the downloads for WandaVision and I you know first and foremost you know from everybody thank you so much to everybody that's listening to these episodes um, whether you're crossing over from Harrison's show because I know on his episodes he's mentioned this and I really appreciate that um, so Harrison I know you got a couple things coming out and then um you know, we'll, we'll start closing up the episode.
2: Yeah. Thank you again for this opportunity. I already, already appreciate, always appreciated that. Uh, so yeah. Um, my name's Harrison host of the basement binge. Um, you can get wherever you get your podcast. wherever you're listening to this, just search for the basement binge. Uh, lots of episodes coming out. Um, you know, a lot of animated films that I've been wanting to see, just because I love animation that uh, I never allowed myself to, to follow the schedule of the podcast. Uh, So now that the schedule kind of cleared up with the new year, I was just taking some time to enjoy some things I wanted to before I get back into the busyness of a schedule. And I I guess to update listeners of Matt Goes to the Movies, the first series that I'll be binging this year in line with the theme of the Basement Binge is uh, the Mission Impossible series, which I'm really excited about. So uh, yeah, subscribe if you're interested in what I have to say about any of those.
0: Awesome. Um, I actually will be eagerly anticipating mission impossible because that's a series that to me is surprising because it's one of the ones that usually when they're on that many movies, they get worse. And to me, that's one of the series that's gotten better the further it gets into the episode title. So I'll be really looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to thank Rob because for listeners of this show, um, I'm getting some new podcasting equipment that Rob is actually going to help me, uh, you know, assist me connect it and show me how to use some of the editing software and things like that. Cause there's going to be some, some changes to Macos to the movies in terms of like the structure and things like that. So first and foremost, I'm going to thank Rob for helping, but one of the things that's going to go along with that is, Rob, I'll let you kind of talk about it, is I'm going to subject Rob to watching Wonder Woman 84 again. Um, and that might, be a, <laughs> that might be a spoiler to what we're going to talk about in the episode. But yeah, Rob, uh, I, I appreciate the fact that you're going to help me out because I'm, you know, clearly we're doing these episodes, but I'm lucky if I don't burn toast sometimes. So it's going to be a lot of help <laughs> to uh, get <laughs> get this new stuff set up but yeah that will be uh an episode that rob and I are going to do is wonder woman 84 so uh rob how do you feel about that are you you're still up for that
1: uh, um i i think i said this when we did x-men origins wolverine um good friends help you move better friends help you move bodies the best of friends will re-watch terrible movies for you so yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, Matt, we're great friends, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, uh, cause I am willing to rewatch Wonder Woman 1984. I actually did start my rewatch like two weeks ago and I've just really struggled to, to pick it back up. It's, it's been like, I've got to force myself to do it, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm. Um, it, it'll, it'll be fun to actually break it down um, because I really wanted that to be better than, uh, than it was. But uh, yeah, Harrison, I'm definitely looking forward to your uh, Mission Impossible reviews. I'm definitely going to check those out. And uh, I just finished your Wreck-It Ralph episode on my way home from work today and really enjoyed it. So thank you for that.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, uh, so uh, before we sign off here, I am going to say uh, listeners of this show... If you haven't listened to The Basement Binge, um, go over, listen to it. Uh, Obviously, Harrison Harrison said where you can get it. Uh, His show notes will be in the recap of this episode. But I I thoroughly, Harrison and I, talked about this. If you want to listen to one episode to start, go listen to Wreck-It Ralph. Um, It's a little, Harrison, if I can say, behind-the-curtain look at uh, Wreck-It Ralph and Harrison in general, but it's a fantastic episode. Uh, One of the things that we've talked about is how movies and things like this show us how a lot of us are more connected than we sometimes, you know, are made to think, especially in this day and age. But it's a great episode. I loved it. Uh, I text Harrison right after I listened to it because I thought it was fantastic. So uh, go check that episode out if you haven't yet. So... You know, from all three of us here, though, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to the next three weeks of WandaVision. And obviously, you know, we've got a couple things coming down the pipeline. at Matt goes to the movies, one of them being Wonder Woman 84. So thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been another episode of Mondays with Maximoff, and we're going to see you next week.